0: to another episode of FreeWise DMs, the podcast with three Dungeon Masters. We've been doing this for <laughs> way too long. talk about all the things we do to try to make our games as good as they can be.
1: Hi, I'm Tony.
0: I'm Chris. Hey,
2: good looking. What you got cooking? How's about cooking? Something up with me? Hey, sweet baby, don't you mean, maybe we can find us a brand new recipe. don't, boom, boom, yeah, good enough. My Lord. Oh, yeah, the legendary Hank Williams Sr. Hello, everyone. DM Dave, rock and roll DM, or possibly the country and western DM. <laughs>
1: It's up for
2: okay. debate. Side story, little side story. Back in the days of my touring days, my rock and roll drummer touring days, hence with Van Halen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hence the rock and Roll DM. Used to play a town in Bristol, Tennessee, which, funny enough, right in the middle of the street, right where the yellow line was, there were placards which showed the break between Bristol, Tennessee and Bristol, Virginia. So one side of the street's Tennessee, one side's Virginia. Yeah, kinda cool. Whatever, right? Anyway, across the street is the Burger Bar, which was a burger joint. Whatever they made, pretty good burgers. I but mean. it was the last place supposedly
3: that Hank Williams
2: was seen alive.
3: Ooh, oh, I hope that's a ringing endorsement for it that uh, he was at food poisoning, perhaps.
2: No. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, obviously, hey, good looking. What you got cooking. So we're talking about cooking up some homebrew stuff today. This is actually coming from a listener question. This is a return guest on the show, return contestant, Dr. DM himself, Jason. Uh, and he had a, in, a very interesting question that we wanted to kind of delve into. So it starts off, hello, glorious masters of DMing. So as we know, the tithe has been paid. Okay. <laughs> um, um, Solidly. Yes. So I'm going to break this question up a little bit, but get to kind of the meat of it. So he's listened to your advice on kit bashing and adapting other systems. So he understands that this isn't a fresh enough question, but I think it actually is. He's running a campaign, but what he's hoping to do because of the Eldritch feel that he's looking for, he said, I'm also playing up nightmares in the game and looking to bring in some more aberrant creatures. Uh, something that he's cleared with his players that they really want. To that end, I'm bringing in a type of enemy from the Mistborn series by Brandon Sanderson and thinking of bringing in some weapons from his Stormlight Archives series. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if at least one of us has familiarity with them, and that would be me. I do know what the blades are on Roshar. Uh, I haven't read the Mistborn series yet, but what he's looking for is he said they have like some really cool ideas, but the power, like, how does it line up well with powers or spells in 5e specifically? And he talks a little more about shard blades and stuff. And he doesn't want to overpower them, but he wants to bring that idea in. So what we're kind of going at is we want to cook up some homebrew. We love pop culture stuff. And we love playing 5e because it's what's what's easiest for a lot of our gaming groups because it's what we play a lot. Um, and we've talked a lot about other systems. But... If you're saying like 5e or maybe another system, whatever, how do you pull that in so it doesn't just completely shit the bed on the system? How do you, as Thorin would have said, how do you benchmark this? Uh, If you're trying to do something with pop culture uh, that you want to bring in some sort of weapon, object, magic, some type of thing that's mechanical in its way. It's not just an idea or a flavor. So
1: with that, I hope that makes sense to you guys. I'm going to throw it out to you. Well, I mean, homebrewing is the most most attractive options in many respects for any given table, because especially when you're you're first starting out or you have creative ideas or you've been itching to do it, it's just always uh, an opportunity to express your creativity at the table. But one of the easiest, most classic mistakes to make surrounding this is not properly scaling your item to the tier that you're in. 5e has the advantage of tiers previously it was wide open fourth edition did but they were really deep like it was like first to like 10th or 11th level and then it was to 20th and to 30th so what was cool around level five probably wasn't so cool around level 10 but you can kind of have to ask yourself what for you in this game flies would this be cool would this be breaking is this above the curve Or are you giving somebody something you think is really going to be cool and it's actually kind of uh, a little underwhelming?
3: A lot of times what I like to do is
1: find something like it. Uh,
3: Very often, especially with 5e, CR is difficult to calculate, especially if you're going to homebrew from the ground up, right? So I like to go out and look and find something that's similar to it. And then you take that, you tweak it a little bit, you redress it. But it gives you a good idea. It helps to scale the power because these are play-tested CRs that you're working from there, and it helps to uh, free you up to to be able to create it there and not have to worry about is this overpowered, is this underpowered because you have a good general baseline. Like in many ways, like benchmarking, is you're saying what monsters fit my, you know, fit my uh, freaking scale here. And they're like, oh, this one, this, you know, this baylor here is perfect for you. Like, most people take like, the baylor. And I'm like, okay, so if I take him, right, but maybe he's not a demon, maybe he's Skeletor or something like that. And all of a sudden you can start to tweak off of that and you can take something of that power scale and that challenge and then turn it into whatever you want to. And it's already kind of leveled off correctly for you
2: yeah absolutely chris and i i like that you put in i if people have been checking out our socials they've seen uh, you know we're the birthday game people i'm sorry it's just what happens when you have enough gaming group people you have a lot of birthdays so dm tony's birthday was just recently and uh, chris ran a game uh which you could go and check out to see the insanity that ensued i i was saying it was a lost level of castle Greyhawk, because yeah we uh we traversed the realms with Odin and Itchy and Scratchy, Skeletor, Megatron. We had a Baylor that I believe was just a demonic Bob Ross. It was. Was. Yeah, yes. and then we fought an ancient gold dragon, and then we fought uh, Galactus. So, you know, it, you know, as, Bert, as you do, you know, birthday games.
3: Anyway. Pulled <laughs> out all the stops.
2: Yeah. One day we will delve deeper into it. But Chris, that was a good point that you were making precast. Actually, we were having a little conversation about the topic. And Chris, you were saying with novels, especially they have ultimate power because as a writer, as an author, you can write whatever. And if you write yourself into a oh crap, what do I have to do? You can go back. You can recton, and no one knows because they don't read it until the finished product. You're literally throwing rough drafts out to your players every single game and the story is then being set in, in stone. So two points I will make with this, especially because we're talking about, I know you guys haven't read it yet and I keep telling you you need to, but the Stormlight Archive series, it is literally a prime I'm reading this series and I'm going, "Oh my god, this is such a campaign world for D&D. Like there's so much meat here. There's so much depth. You know, it's like Tolkien level." Um so one, I would say what is the world you're pulling from? Right. And two, how does the object or the magic or the, the the idea that you have, how does it work in that world? Because if we're talking about the Stormlight Archives and we're talking about Roshar and we're talking about shard blades and shard plate, these are literally the this is this is the spice melange from Arrakis. This is the thing that the entire planet. In Roshar for Dune, obviously the entire galaxy, right? But the planet—this is everything that they're about. If you have a Shard blade, you're like, you're you're a country of yourself. You you know you're a country of one. They are so powerful. They are so sought after. They are so economically advantageous. And that's the kind of thing when you're pulling from from pop culture or from some other product or property that is that. Makes a difference because we love shard blades because of the power they have. But if you just hand that off to your player at level X, you have to account for how much power that is not just the power curve, like Tony, you were saying, but what does it do to the world and how does it play
1: in that? Does that make sense in that way? It does for sure. Yeah, I, I like to look at these things from a very mechanical aspect. And one of the questions I ask when I'm homebrewing something is, what does everybody in the party currently have, and what does the opposition work with? Like, to what depth do they have resources? Would this – and in a lot of cases, the answer is no. It does not tip it, but that should give you an indicator of like, how cool it would ought to be. You know, I'm sorry. I've been playing for a long time. Yes, I've had a lightsaber. Yes, I've had an alternate version of Thor's hammer. Um, <laughs> yes, I gave somebody the Ice Sword from War Duke from the Dungeons & Dragons cartoon. There's it. Oh, deep yeah. for it. Yeah, no, that was deadly. Well, I, I, okay, I overclocked it by a lot. Like, it was like, you know, he touched something and you're creating glaciers. But it was pretty awesome. I created an actual Thunderbolt as a magical item. Looked at the spells, looked at how it gave it charges gave it enhanced electrical damage, something you could use X amount of times, and then it was just like a – implement just like, say, a one of accuracy would have been. So all these things, you know, uh, uh, the Rings of Power. You know, everybody thought about this, like, oh my god, it'd be so shattering. Well, maybe. It'd be cool. It could do things like have different abilities tied into the type, the element the Ring of Power is associated with, if it's the Elven or Dwarven rings per se. A lot of room for you to work, but yeah, don't overclock it because you'll throw something out there really cool that somebody's really gonna like, and everyone's gonna be like,
3: ah. Well, yeah, no, I think, and there are two parts to it. Like, and from a obviously, the shard blades have a bit of an epicness and a a story centered focus to it, and the idea of a blade based economy is kind of interesting, so I may check that out. But also, it's like you want to you want to keep it grounded. So stuff like, I mean charges or once per long rest things like that where your homebrews don't have to the powers don't have to function all the time even stuff like the you know the ring of power maybe it doesn't work all the time maybe it only works uh, this only certain powers can only be activated once a day or you only can do them this many times you get this many charges at dawn so you, even with great powers you can keep them grounded by just restricting the amount of times that they are able to be used so it's not just giving somebody a plus one sword it's something that I can use once in a while. It's more tactical. It's more suited to the story. They may use it in more ingenious ways than just whacking on somebody with their plus one sword. But <laughs> still, give people plus one swords because they're awesome as well too. But I, yeah. Yeah, just to make I've, a point,
2: I've gotten to the point. It's just as an aside there. I've gotten to the point where plus one swords aren't even magical anymore. They're just like really well crafted. Like I totally took from Pathfinder the masterwork idea, and I, I even put it out in the Dragonlands campaign. Like you guys could per could literally have purchased plus one swords because they like okay that's that's cool and it gives you some level of a magical ability but it wasn't like okay well now it has to be like what's the legend behind this thing and as yeah but, no, but absolutely yeah tony we actually did this uh we've talked about it before but i mean this really falls into into th- this uh today's topic when we're talking about Pulling from other properties, I mean, we've talked at length about Hulk Morgan, your barbarian from the Curse of Strahd game. So first, he was a wrestler. He was a thinly-veiled Hulk Hogan, right? And you wanted to kind of play that arc, which we did, right? And we went all the way to WrestleMania and Barovia, and we kind of—we figured out some some general, like, real fast-and-loose wrestling rules, which we put an article
3: out there about. to, to Actually, it work
2: yeah, to make yeah, the wrestling like
3: our performance points, right, or whatever like that. Yeah, they were yeah, awesome. Yeah, they had like you but took out moves to like allow
2: them. allow grappling and things to be a little more than what you have in the books as they are as raw. So we did that. You kind of completed that arc, and then you came back and said, "Okay, well, I'm gonna I want to play out my other '80s hero of He-Man, right?" And you know the whole idea of the sort of power, and I think that came from. When you guys defeated Strahd and I had built that sword of his lament, his his sword of sharpness that was like kind of extra powered and stuff. So you kind of had this idea you wanted to bring these swords together. Uh, you had a sword of uh, the lament, and then you had one from I think Probably Vladimir front guard, right?
3: From it was or- the yeah, it was one of the, the swords from the, uh, the yeah, from
2: Oregon. postal. Right, exactly, and you know. Chris, you didn't need it as Scar because you had the sun sword. Oh, yeah, no, I had like,
3: yeah, I had the lightsaber from
2: right. like episode exactly. <laughs> three on. It. Yeah, so so Tony, you came to me and you said, "All right, like I want to kind of do like you know the He-Man thing, but I want to like take these two swords. They seem to be like the light and the dark, and I want to craft them into." into the sort of power in essence. And we clocked that out a little bit. So with the way that we built it out, right? And we talked about this where I had, it was a kind of a sort of sharpness, but it also had uh spell deflection abilities. And then when you put it together with the belt that you were able to get from Elios, uh, you took like the spirit of Kavan, that was an earlier thing in the campaign, and was I was apparently
1: a villain. We don't have to talk about that though.
2: Yeah, I turned it into this idea of like that was the way in which these two two things could in essence focus the power of the green mother to make her, you her champion. So, you know, you could call down, in essence, the power of Gray and you you would become stronger. Uh, your charisma went up because you became this like tan blonde, you know, guy, <laughs> right? Whatever.
1: Versus so, so, this tan blonde guy that I was
2: previously. <laughs> right, with this differently tan and blonde. You had a full head of hair with this one, and less of a handlebar yeah. mustache. With that, right, with this long lead-in that I have, for you as the player, first we'll go that we'll go that route. As the player, when you kind of came to me and with this idea, and then I came back to you, did it feel? Because you actually just utilized the sword again in your in your birthday game just I recently. I love the sword. Right? Yeah. Yes. So. Um, what did, did it kind of feel that way? Did it feel? Because my point again, what's the world you're playing in, and how does the object work in that world compared to where you're pulling it from—the idea, the property? Did it feel, or does it feel, like the sort of power in a way for you as the player first?
1: So when a player has this kind of itch to scratch in some respect, where they'll bring something from Avatar. Or any number of other properties out there that they're like, hey, D&D is this amazing, magical world where anything is possible. Can I do this? And honestly, I it causes me internal pain to say no. Like I say, you can't do this only when yeah, they're asking for absolutely. something so earth shattering. Like when Jen started to play the game, she's like, I could do anything. And I'm like, yes, you can. Like anything she's like great i want to be a vampire goddess and i'm like hang on okay (laughs) level one all right here we go (laughs) yeah you're the vampire understudy and you're not quite a goddess whatsoever yet but let's 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 start in the basement we'll work our way up which she eventually achieved that over a vast ridiculous scale of like you know 30 adventures but anyway it had the flavor and i think that is if you what I said from earlier, it can't be like all polish and not do something cool in the game, but it definitely also had the aspects like he transformed, his strength increased. it the sword itself was an incredible weapon. like it hit the notes. so yeah, solid. Yeah, and, the, and like and the things we had to do to get it. I mean, Jesus Christ! Like, you know, there, like, was, you guys, a,
2: oh, it there was, was a, a, there was a, a whole quest it. to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: No, but I mean, and it's you couldn't like actually a really become he-man yeah. there, right? Yeah, no. I mean, there is a level of you know disbelief that where you couldn't truly become fully on he-man there. But I think it totally, to your point, it captured the flavor, and a little bit even with stuff that's more powerful, it can be like, well, you could always go with you can have it but you just can't have it now. And I think that was a little bit of what you played with, with the sort of power where it was like, you guys came up with it and then it was like, okay, I have an idea, but instead of just saying, like, okay, and then you just, you stop down to Bob's Forge, down, like, just down two levels there at the castle and have him b- bust up a sword of power for you real quick before he heads off for
2: lunch.
1: Thanks, Bob. You're awesome. Yeah, thanks, Bob. He's like, hold yeah, on. Like, you know, like, Bob, just,
3: we're going to be in town for the day. Could you yeah, maybe practice, bastard out here? So, but I mean, you, it's like, it, you know even with like so you know especially when you're talking about something like a shard blade or something like that or you know this sort of power like if nothing else it could make for a really cool quest you can have it sure there's these things are part of the world this thing is possible you just kind of have to do this stuff to get there right and by that point maybe you'll be powerful enough or whatever or will have done enough that it actually makes sense it's just sort of like you know you're always judging that. You don't want to overpower them. Like, we've all, you know, I'm sure every DM has hit a point where they gave somebody something and they're like, oh, crap. Like, this is just going to be a problem now for the rest of the campaign. So, something like that. It's nice to kind of spread it out and create a quest and a reason why. Yeah, I mean, it, you guys are spot on with that because I think,
2: uh Tony, I think Hawk, you guys... Defeated Strahd about 12th, 13th level, and then you started to develop this idea. So you did. You guys didn't craft that blade fully until, I want to say, minimum level 15. So at this point, you guys are in, like, Masters of the Universe tier. You know, you're in the end game. You are heading towards the, the final confrontation with Vampyr, the Star of Blood. So at that point, it's like, okay. And I still tempered it because I didn't blow your strength out to... Complete, you know, the 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 all the way up to thirty and all that kind of stuff. But you know, still, it was level fifteen, which is very different than which we've made uh, jokes about all the time. But Chris and like, I don't look back on it like, oh crap, too bad, because I think it worked out well. But doing it all over, I think I absolutely would have revealed the Sun Sword later in the in the adventure in Curse of Strahd in the quest because it would have felt more. As awesome as it was for you, because it really created the paladin character, right? And it helped you guys through a lot of a lot of um your your encounters. But it I don't think it had the same level of like, oh crap, look at what we found. It was literally like, Oh hey, Tony's made the thing, like we're just digging in the dirt and you're like found a Ferrari. So I like, just buried this. It was here. like a
3: stone. It it was was like, oh my god.
2: It's oh, it's it's it. So yeah it's a sun sort. It's a key fob. And look, so a bumper. Like, <laughs> when I think about something like shard blades, right? I mean, we're talking about something that is like I make the point about Dune, right? It's like the Spice Melange. It is literally the economy of of kingdoms. It's people will kill and war over shard blades. I mean, it is it is they, they are the top thing and there is a finite amount of them. So they create that. So if you introduce something like that in your world it's not just benchmarking the uh the mechanics of the of the of the the weapon or the object or the magic but it is the what does it represent in the world and if you introduce that at level 3 you have to be prepared to have that now in your world from level 3 onwards i.e. the sun sword right like vampire it's not the same thing because it wasn't the economy of Barovia, right? But the uh that was just children, I think, and pies. But um <laughs> so like it's, the t- sun t- sword, it's like that changed the trajectory of okay, I'm gonna throw vampires at you now. Ooh, vampires, and you're like, Okay, cool. I like the sun sword, and they just start to burn every round, right? Like You have to be prepared for what that means in your world. You know what I mean? Not just the mechanics of it.
3: I think it's a lot like basic economy. Like you wouldn't give your first level players like thousands of gold pieces, right? Because it devalues the currency of your kingdom, right? If If I can get shard blades around the corner well geez they're not really that valuable and if i'm holding that many am i just devaluing the this this right that this it's this massive thing like the spice like destroy the, economy. the very rich had it right and they would have it distilled down and stuff like that but it to your point it was the basis of all of the economy in their um kingdom was that was the transportation of spice everything was di- you know directly related to and as a result of that so you couldn't just have spice all the time, right? Like it would make it, um, Feedback, chair of spice. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, something like that, right? Like, let's say like, just as a, as a
2: thought experiment, like we're making, we're, we're kind of crafting like a, a dune kind of campaign or something. And something like the spice melange is a, is a product. Maybe it, it's like residuum where it, uh, you can craft magic out of it, or it allows faster than light travel. If it's a space campaign or, It has some really powerful property that people want it for, right? So you have to kind of be prepared to, okay, if you have it, What's going to happen to you, you know, because you're going to be very powerful. But people are also going to be gunning for you, too, right? Because now they want that very, very valuable thing.
3: And there's only a little bit of them in the world. That's part of what makes them valuable is the finite amount of things, right? Of gold, of shard blades, of any of these things, is that there isn't that many. So it's, you know.
2: Yeah, it'd be like if, you know, somebody wants to call Estar the Dragon's Union from Hawk. Cool. Cool. Come and take it, cause just like you <laughs>
3: can't kill, kill that man.
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah, he he got a little carried away. He he hit level twenty and kept adventuring, and you know I guess perhaps there was reasons why they they capped him at level twenty. There's I keep the thinking these spoons, and these bonuses, oh, man, and the these awesome. over.
2: Yes. You know, Matt was wondering at the at the game, just as a, another little aside, but uh, because Hawk is is the totem of the bear, and I think you're you're. Total hit points is something like 365. So I said to Matt, like effectively he has like 800 hit points. So
1: yes. so funny unless <laughs> we fight like some mind flayers or something, you know. So funny story, when you hit 20th level, your con goes up to a 24 as a barbarian. Just like boom. Right
2: there. Oh, so you just retroactively just grab yeah, another retro- No, so uh-huh. then
1: for each of my then adventures that we did like our big birthday games and one shops the dms presto a boon of plus two to something well i dropped it twice in my con and lo and behold i have a 28 con at that point which pushes my armor oh my class God. to the roof yeah which is right i have a plus two shield i got a ring of protection it's not like i have anything too kooky in that respect um
3: he's he's, he's hulk hogan and he-man it sounds just about right that he's
1: and right and i've got the toughness I, proficiency I, because you just want to complain about
2: brokenness when you're literally a mixture of freaking Hulk Hogan and
3: he- <laughs> right. I
1: mean, How yeah, many yeah. times did He Man lose when he was transformed? I mean, like, y- can you count that on like more than one hand in, in like <laughs> 170 episodes? And he, I'm also rolling with seven other 20 level guys, so no, he's not gonna get his butt kicked. But yeah, absolutely, um, finding the uh, Sun Sword Barovia was like in many respects, better than you finding, say, a sort of sharpness, which would have been a like a super rare, super exotic, deadly weapon – but because of the environment and the flavor of okay. where you were, yeah, it just freaking destroyed everything. Meanwhile, like I'm fighting opponents with, like, pots and pans and, like, steel well, chairs.
2: And- you're still pile-driving opponents. <laughs> <laughs> no, an
3: object that can emit daylight in Barovia is a thing. And to your point, Dave, besides the fact that we did just sort of find it, like, we just, like, walked down the route from the place and there it was in the dirt or whatever – It changes the way that you're able to produce threats at that level. That early on is now you have something that's legitimately like, boop. I turn it on and you're like, oh crap. Half the stuff that's coming out is being affected by the daylight, right? Is getting hit points shaved off. It changes the way you're able to threat, like to or point, like the power curve stuff like that. You have to be careful when it drops. So, though I did enjoy it, like getting it early because it really was awesome. What? And Why then he enhanced it even more. It became like, it was like a, it's like a, like a lightsaber and a holy Avenger all together. Like it was, uh, as it should be. I mean, he's 20th level. That's I, 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 I felt it you needed
1: that. Because like at 15th level where you're at, and it's a sun sword. OK, well, like, you know, the Baylor isn't as horrified about sunlight as perhaps the vampires were. We were in a sunless. It,
3: yes, it, it loses it eventually. Yeah, it has a good curve, but eventually by about the epic levels there. Yeah, just the sun
1: sword alone is not enough. But, but to answer Dave's question, um, where we were the timeline and all that actually kind of comment on that. We you introduced uh, Strahd's sword in October for, you know, the, the dinner where we all dressed up. Yeah. So then we defeated him. In November, because it was a two-part battle, because we're playing monthly, so I claimed air quotes the half of the sort of power, the evil part then, and I had this idea. So then, and this is what you did, it was really fantastic. You, you, oh, you,
2: that's you did, right. And you didn't like because part of the power of Lament was that it literally it was, was it would soul steal souls, it would yeah. store souls in no, it. No worse, you, it would crush souls. Yeah, <laughs> damn it. Yeah. No, I remember a, that
1: now. Yeah. So like, okay, we're gonna do something with this, and that was the do something with this that led to that. Because I mean, it was really an amazing weapon. Like no one picked this up. And go. This is a piece of shit. No, absolutely not. But because my character had already done his heel turn, I'm like, I'm a you know, a chaotic good barbarian. I can't be running around with a, with a chaotic evil sword that eats souls and devours them. <laughs> but, but the stages the right? Yeah, yeah it layers. So we found the other sword to forge them. That was a game. Um, then we found a master in the Wild who knew how to forge them, but he's like, wait, you need to melt them down first. And that was a game. Then we go to the, the elemental plane of fire, melt them bring it back, let him forge him. And then you're like, but wait, you have the sword, but you can't transform yet. So then we find the ultimate wizard and the elemental plate of air on two separate quests. That sword was put together in the following, and I want to say, September.
0: Yeah.
2: And the it.
1: whole time you <laughs> had
2: accurate.
1: me, you had me, like, the, you had the, the, I was chomping at the carrot. <laughs> like, I'm like, you know, like, that,
2: that sounds that, accurate, yeah.
1: Yeah. That was like really I was like super engaged in each state, like, you know, uh, the rabbit, and the carrot scenario. But like every stage of that was really well, and that's
2: and that's what I like, too, is that one, it was able to we were able to start doing and I could use it as the fodder for getting because my next point in the campaign was to introduce like some of the elemental planes and you guys were going to do some plane hopping, which was going to lead to the whole vampire thing. So that was a great way that kind of like. Pushed you along, even though it felt a little bit like it was like okay, let's focus on Hawk's quest for the next however long, right? There were still other things happening during that time, which then led up to like the Court of Stars and Phineas's final thing, and then Chris too. In the same way, you like Tony, you were right. The sort of uh, the Sun Sword in the beginning looks awesome, and then around level fifteen, you're like, eh, it's cool, mm-hmm. but. I don't, Chris, I don't remember exactly what happened with it. I think it was because of Argonvolst, right? That you literally were able to craft Drachmar Vengeance in some way.
3: Yeah, I got it through uh, that and uh, what's his name? Torag. But I mean, to your point, it's like there's the tears, like uh, the, the Sun Sword was great. And the really cool thing about the Sun Sword was the radiant damage. But in many ways, it's kind of like a plus one sword or something like that. And so they have a, a life, right? You want to get to like plus two by the time you're between like 10 and 15. And by the time you're like the epic level, you should be spending something plus three or something like that. So that's a good way to kind of I was if you're thinking about ways that like if you're like trying to decide what to give your characters, I always kind of go with that sort of general guideline, right? If you're if they're, they're like 12 level, give them something that's like plus two, right? But if you're only like, you know, I'm not going to give you something like that if you're only like sixth or seventh level or something like that. So.
2: Yeah, you can really start to open up again, depending on the tier you're at. Because I could open it up to make it. It in essence became the Sun Sword slash Holy Avenger, and then I added the other thing on it, which I thought was really. I I I wanted to play with it more, but it was like right at the end game. But it was the idea that Drakmar could knight people and create paladins. Oh my god, like, that was awesome! I was that you like, literally I could to, knight a person, yeah. and like, and I, I, to I want to play with that more in some campaign at some point because where do paladins come from? The idea of like knighting them with like this like Excalibur. And they was, then are a first-level paladin. That's that's pretty
3: cool. I wanted to, like, I, when they, they had a bunch of guys who came there, right? And so I knighted one of them, and then I knighted them, and they were like, the one guy was like the knight errant, so he went out into the world, right? Like, he wasn't going to be directly reporting to the castle, just kind of adventuring. And I had squires and stuff, but I always thought it would be cool to then take that, but... In many ways, that requires then like another campaign in Barovia or something like that, right? And I'm like, ah, for as much as it would be cool for the timeline and everything, I don't think. But I think that's very cool, and that's very uh, cool ways to homebrew stuff that has a, a feel like that, where there's a uh, there's an ending to it, there's a big epic ending to it. It kind of builds and grows, right? You could take something. uh even something like the Ring of Power, or like stuff like that, we keep talking about, and it slowly grows and thing. It starts off and it's just the Sun Sword, and it's cool, right? And then all of a sudden it changes a little bit. Maybe there's a quest, and it becomes the the Sword of Power, or something like that, or it becomes the Drakmar, you know, Dracmar Vengeance, where it's like the the Sun Sword and the Holy Avenger together. But it kind of grows with the character, and you can kind of keep on adding on things to it. So you can take those and make them. Right. It has it to your kind of point earlier. It's like you don't know everything that it does when you first get it. And you're kind of learning these things as you're going, these abilities that it has and stuff like that. So I think there's a lot of uh, stuff that you can do there with it.
1: It got its power upgrade because you answered the riddle of steel.
3: Oh, God, yeah. That was awesome.
2: Uh, Thank you, Tony.
3: I, I was. Right. I felt like
2: I had to go back into my old notes and find
3: out what the hell happened. That was – there you got – okay, good, yeah, that, that was freaking awesome. Yeah, so, no, I, when, I, when I first wrote that, when I wrote the, the uh, background or whatever, like back in – like, God, it was freaking shit. Years and years ago when I wrote that, and, like, and I stole that from Conan. I never thought I would have to actually answer it. And then you sort of gave me a, some, a heads up of, like, a little bit before that I was going to have to answer it. And I'm like, oh, boy.
2: That's right. Yeah,
3: you had a it's, vision. You had an old
2: vision. To of glint in your hair
1: and falcons at your rest. Yes. <laughs> yes. That was yes.
2: awesome. That was awesome.
1: So, yes. when you're creating something, though, the question is then put out there is it something that is static, or is this really going to be something that is going to go the distance with your character and scale with you? Like you're saying, I am learning about it. I'm learning about myself. I'm learning how to use it better. Is that also. I mean, I, I guess there's no answer to that specific, but it could go either way where if that is gonna be something they want for the long haul, then perhaps, you know, you scale together.
3: You can have it, you just can't have it right this second. You can have bits of it and stuff like that, and then slowly build on it. But I think that gets into the the essence of the homebrew and stuff. Obviously, there's homebrewing the properties that you know, like stuff like I want to make a lightsaber or I want to bring a skeletor into the game, but just stuff that you think about in general in your head, right? Like We're forever picturing this kind of monster or this kind of thing that our players are going to find. So, I mean, we're constantly homebrewing stuff in a very similar way where it's the Mistboard Chronicles of Chris's head, right? Where he has this idea for this thing or, you know, (laughs) like stuff in the further where I'll see like a, you know, I have an idea and I'm like, oh, I really want something that's like a Nazgul, right? But then I sort of I'm like in the further and I'm like, oh, I want something similar to that. And I sort of kind of grab a monster there and I twist it off there. But I think there's a lot to um, there's a lot to homebrewing things and to giving them a cool life like that. Like, obviously, something like uh, the blades, it's like it has some real significance, right? That's not just any old magic item. Like, I think and I think that's something cool about homebrews. Obviously, you can homebrew tiny things, but stuff like more Vengeance and the sort of power and everything. It's like those are like epic story confirming uh, items there that are really cool and kind of grow with the character. So it's, I mean, I think I think it's the beauty of homebrew.
2: Yeah, I mean, in, in, in all truth, even the shard blades kind of they don't grow like they're they're, they're always what they are. But like yeah, the characters dis they discover things about them, and I think that's cool. That's one of the things I did way back in Bonnie's family's game. Where my original paladin, Aaron Pendragon, uh, I had Morthwill Odu Odu that I had found, which was Welsh for the hammer of God, which I loved. But in essence, it was kind of like, you know, a version of Excalibur. But I worked it out with Jake, the DM, that it would build with my character. So and I kind of let him I said, this is like my idea for it. And then let's build that out. So as I leveled up, it started to. It might get another plus to it or something like that, or it might have where all of a sudden I could cast commune with it, or I could cast inspiring – I get the inspiring leader feat when I have it at a certain point. And you're kind of growing into the weapon as you discover it and show your your honor with it or whatever it might be, right? You complete the the necessary
3: – even hate yes. that like the thought of it is it's like you always just picture like your fighter there and you just pick up like your your, your like a paladin I got like the plus three holy adventure and I have like this plus one sword like do I just toss the plus one sword I'm like ah well it's, yeah. it's just plus one now like <laughs> ah, it's <laughs> a bang, bang 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 like someone else could just that's how other adventurers find plus one swords if guys have just tossed them down because they found the next best item and I think like there must point, have been something greater. Right? Here. <laughs> but it was like that plus one sword was with you through a lot of the things so if there's a way that that sword can still exist with you and grow with you then it's like even better than the holy avenger i found because it was that plus one sword back in the day and it kind of grew with me as i was going through the character there right because and it's serious like i mean how many swords right. like what if
2: there? what if bilbo had just like tossed sting you know like i mean you named it in every
3: man you know
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah no and monsters are fair game to be brought into the game as well or really spells or any aspects of that i remember there was one series that my friends were reading about spell weavers air, uh, air quotes there and they had the ability to adapt spells and they could like say cast magic missile but they could change the elemental properties to that so they added like that was like a class feature for certain wizards i i, I mean really like as long as it's not breaking something adding flavor just benefits everybody all around gives the world depth gives the players you need to have that feeling of magic in your magical game especially it, it, why is that so important because like we've read all the books i mean 5e's been around for 10 years you're to keep adding things that you don't know to make you look or what are we doing
3: yeah magic items are important they should feel important they should kind of go with you a little bit we've kind of touched on it before in other episodes but they should have some permanence to them when you find them some stuff's going to be throwaway little things and stuff like that but swords and other things like that, you know, shard blades, everything like they, they stick with you. They're going to be around there, so they should kind of grow or grow your story with them and stuff like that. It's a big part of the world. They shouldn't just be, you know, they shouldn't just be, like, all in a the store there. Like I said, it would just devalue the shard blade. If you just walked in and there was a thousand of them there, right, it was like, it's like gold. It need, it's, it's scarceness is what makes it super valuable, so.
2: Yeah, and Chris, as you've talked about with the uh, the Lord of the Rings uh, supplements for five A, it's one of the things I really thought was a cool idea for and a concept, and it's something like this for something like a Shard Blade or or some really powerful thing, where like before you even introduce it, it's not a bad idea to even just bullet point out like what is this object and. What's the legend of it and, and what does it mean in this world? Like give it some level of history and gravitas that will continue even if you don't always have it for something like that. Because I think if if you're going to go with with something really powerful like that, have it have a, a story to it, you know. It would be like if someone, you know, uh, in campaigns uh, in the future – found to call a star or they were called to be the champion of the green mother. Like there would be a whole history and a whole like battles that were fought with this thing, you know, that type
3: of thing. That'd be very difficult to find. there's a very few of them.
2: So anyway, it's about time for final thoughts. Jason, this was a, this was a very interesting topic. Um, we always love talking about homebrew stuff, but, uh, so final thoughts on we're pulling we're We're kit bashing. We're homebrewing. We're cooking up some stuff from something we love some property that's already out there and we want to bring it into the to the game that we're playing and we want it to have that kind of gravitas and that coolness that makes us want to pull it in the first place we never want to pull like some bs you know stick from star wars we want a lightsaber you know, or something like that, you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't want a blaster, I want a lightsaber. Yeah, like, yeah <laughs> nobody wants a Y-Wing, you know what I mean? I don't want to fly a Y-Wing, I want, a, I want an
3: X-Wing. You know what I mean? like, oh, I got, a, I got a Star Wars fighter, you're like, oh, what'd you get? A Y-Wing, oh, okay. <laughs> like, eh.
1: uh. So, whatever you're pulling in, whether it's a monster, it's an item, it's a spell, it's a concept, the question is, how does that function within your world in terms of what everybody else is working with? It, you're We're lucky if you're playing 5e that it's more structured in terms of tiers. If I was playing Palladium, well, then it's really wide open or first or second edition. Then you have to be a little bit more careful because you have to judge based on what everybody else is working with to see if this is going to be a decent you know, flavorful thing to introduce, or is it gonna blow everything else out of the water and make it everything else look very mundane, or is it gonna be underwhelming? You're like, hey, this is the thing I wanted to bring in, and it was much cooler in my head than when I actually said it. So th- those are all things to consider, and scaling is easily the the first the classic place to make a blunder with that because nothing's worse than you throw something out there that's really fantastic and cool, and the pl- person really loves it, and everybody else is groaning. And then it's like, okay, great. And now if you introduced it early, like, you know, when are you going to introduce the lightsaber level five? Well, then, you know, it's pretty cool. Then you better add some kyber crystals to make it cool when you're level fifteen, because if you're fifteen, then it really better be like absolutely the bee's knees.
3: For things that you're just looking to create, like I just want to hunger something, find something like it. Uh, There's a bunch of uh, stuff out there for D&D 5E or any of the systems where they have play-tested materials and stuff like that. If it's other stuff, you're going to get super powerful items to have the idea of you can have it, but you can't have it right now, is that like I I can give you items that are less powered earlier on and more apt for your level and let you grow into those. And then I think, finally, using that growth Uh, That time that you're letting them build this, whether it's through quests or finding things or discovering things about it themselves, that it kind of helps to grow the story with them too. that eventually they can become very as much part of the character as uh, the character themselves. Right. They become synonymous with the characters and stuff like that. So it's important to let them grow along with the character themselves, like the homebrew, give it some uh, some life there.
2: So I'm going to finish out with the first two questions that I started with, which is what is the world you're pulling from and how does the object or magic or weapon work in that world? Because if you can't capture that and give it that level of gravitas, then it's not going to play because that's why you wanted to pull it in the first place. You want to pull a lightsaber from Star Wars because of what a lightsaber does. If it just turns into... A plus three sword that sheds light, well, that's not really going to fit the bill, so when I had to make Takal to a star the dragon's union, the sword of power, i had to make I had to kind of come up with something that, for all intents and purposes makes the the wielder the most powerful man in the universe, right in some yeah. fashion. Now, through subsequent adventures, that has now occurred, obviously, because I think Tony just has 30s right down all the six stats. I'm not sure. <laughs> but if I'm doing something like Drakmar Vengeance and we it's that it kind of like it started out, it was super cool. And then, OK, where else do we want to do it? We need to have it grow with the character. So I wanted to turn it into like the ultimate paladin weapon, which was obviously the Holy Avenger plus the Sun Sword plus Give Chris you the 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 ability to knight people because you in essence were like this orphaned uh, person who was under Torag and stuff, and you had you found this whole new level of the balance between Argonvolt and Torag and your past life and your reincarnated life, and you you molded them together, so you created your new order. That follows that, not just follows Torag or follows Argivos, but they follow now this new thing, you know. So it had to fill that bill, and like with Morth do my my uh, my sword in uh, in one of our original games, it was Excalibur. So Jake has to build it out to become the thing that's the sword in the stone for the once and future King. Like you have to have those things in there that give it that level of gravitas um, for the property within reason. You know, much like Chris said, you know, you can have it, but you maybe can't have it now. But yeah, give it that, give it something really, really cool, but let it grow with the character, So you don't have to completely curve out your campaign starting at level five, you know, so that's going to be it for me. Jason, Dr. DM, thank you again for the question. Obviously, this was a listener question. And if you have any questions for us, we're always taking them. We're DMs with problems. We love helping DMs with problems. So you can reach us at 3wisedms.com and enter your question in the what's your problem field. You can reach out to to us at 3wisedms at gmail.com. With a question, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We're active on all those channels. Obviously, if you're going to craft something like that's a holy avenger and also a sun sword with a paladin who's a very high level, they're going to be rolling a lot of dice. So you probably need a lot of dice. So uh, brand new this week, uh, we find that you can get 10% off your order at our affiliate link at fanroll dice. So go to com slash r e f slash two eight seven one and enter code. Three wise DMs, 10 for your 10% off. Uh, that's a nice little, nice little gift there. I think that's going to be it for us this week. And as we do each episode, we are going to let our dear old erstwhile leader take us
0: out. This question came from a listener who sent it in to us. If you're listening and you'd like us to answer your question, please send it in. We're always looking for reader questions to answer. You know, we're the podcast for DMs with problems. We're here to help you with your problems. So send in anything you want to hear us talk about. Send it in and we'll see if we can work it into an episode. You can do that by going to threewisedm's.com and entering it in the what's your problem field. You can send it to us directly through email at 3 at gmail.com. Or you can talk to us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We're active in all those channels. We're always looking for your questions. If you liked what you heard tonight, please give it a five star rating in your podcast platform. That really helps us get the word out. Also, tell your friends, share it on share it on Facebook, wherever or wherever you uh, wherever you do your social media, because that stuff helps us grow, and we really appreciate that. Yeah, you know, audience growth is really important. Getting you know, listeners like you, you know, telling the world that they enjoy our show is really important, and that's the number one thing you can do to help. Us, so. If you if you feel like we're good, please don't be shy. Don't be shy about 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 sharing a side. And that's it for this week. We'll see you next time on FreeWise